Hi, Chris and the Lost Boys here. I'm just heading into St Peter's Cemetery at Dalbeth for another Celtic Grave Society commemoration. This one is for John Glass, who is one of the founding members of Celtic. A man who William Ellis said that without John Glass, we wouldn't be in existence. So, a hugely important man. And if I remember rightly from a tour of Dalbeth a few months ago, this isn't so much a, a man who didn't have a gravestone at all, but more a man who had a damaged gravestone, so we're looking at a restoration project here today. I know quite a bit about John Glass actually, but, uh, but <laughs> thanks to one of my uh, earliest lessons in Celtic history, the Celtic story that was a play commissioned uh, for our centenary season. Initially, the, I was given a video of it for the 98 version, which had a bit extra at the end for our, the 10 years in between, which, as we all know, were rather eventful with takeovers, and, and um, that Rangers one in the 10 in a row thing. There's a joke in there about the, in the, the version I have. But uh, if you haven't seen the Celtic story, see if you can get a copy. Unfortunately, I've only got it in VHS, and I don't think there's ever been a DVD version, but it really is a great introduction to Celtic's history. And it covers the first hundred years, as well, obviously. And if you can get the version I get, you get an extra ten years as well. It's funny to think there's been another thirteen years since that was uh, done. But I'm really looking forward to this today, and... It's good that uh, we're getting the season off to a start with one of the founding members. I know there's another commemoration on Tuesday for one of our first players, John McLaughlin. Uh, unfortunately, I won't be able to make that, so I'm going to head down here and hopefully it'll be good. To today's Celtic Graves Society event, this time to honour and commemorate the newly restored grave of Celtic's first president, John Glass, a fellow son of Donegal. We'd like to thank Danny Rooney, in particular, of Danny Rooney Memorials for such a fantastic job of the restoration and for his incredibly generous act of donating the cross which restores the grave to its former glory. The Celtic family never ceases to amaze. Is Danny here just now? We give him a applause. He's hiding. <laughs> We're honoured and humbled once again by the fantastic support given to us by Celtic Chief Executive Peter Lawwell. We're delighted to welcome Dr Joe Bradley, author of the groundbreaking Celtic Minded 1, 2 and 3. We're immensely proud that Monsignor Smith from St Mary's Calton, John Glass's parish, is once again here with us today to conduct a blessing on the grave of possibly <laughs> one of his most prominent ever parishioners. And last but not least, no ceremony would be complete without the family. So please give a warm Celtic welcome to the Glass family, John, Peter and Stephen. <laughs> we are extremely proud to be here today as Celtic fans. You can only imagine how the family feel. We'd like to welcome no less than Stevie Chalmers, who scored the most important goal in the club's history in Lisbon. Stevie over there. We also with us, have with us today is Joanna Doyle. Joanna is of course Johnny Doyle's daughter, whose 30th anniversary is on the 19th of October. It's a date that we wish to commemorate. So give a warm welcome to Joanna Doyle, please. And she's hiding as well. So, who was John Glass? 
Everyone knows a brother Walfred. Well, John Glass was his right hand man. He was not only a first president, he was a driving force that made it all happen. Such was his devotion that he never missed a single committee meeting between our inception in 1887 and his death in 1906. In Willie Maley's words, he was a man to whom the club owes, owes its existence. In John McLaughlin's words, our first chairman, along with brother Walfred, he was the originator and the motivator of Celtic. He was central to everything we did. Without listing every achievement, I'll just give three short examples of how he was pivotal in everything we did. Back in the day before professionalism, which again John Glass played a major role in, amateurism, or shamateurism as it became known, was the order of the day. On one such occasion, John Glass and committee man Dan Malloy made the trip to Kerfin, to the house of Kerfin Shamrock's fullback Jerry Reynolds in the dead of night in a horse and cart with a view to persuading the player to flee and make his debut for Celtic the next day in a Scottish Cup tie. The kidnap plan worked. So maybe there's a lesson for Peter <coughs> if we have no luck in signing a centre half and a striker before the deadline. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> maybe two John Glass invented the solution to the honest mistakes refereeing saga as far back as 1892. We all know that Celtic won their first ever Scottish Cup in 1892, beating Queen's Park 5-1 in a final. But not many know that John Glass was one of the linesmen that day. It was traditional for each club provide a linesman. So in the 1892 Cup final, John Glass ran the line, Queen's Park president ran the other line, and the SFA president was the referee. So at least with a one in three chance of getting a correct decision. <laughs> Maybe it's another lesson from history. I wish you could join me to run the line the next trip to Ibrox. <laughs> but the story for me, all kidding aside, which best sums up John Glass's determination and will to win, came in the speech he made in our first season when we lost the final of the Exhibition Cup 2-0 to Cowalairs, who were thought to have included guest players to strengthen their team. In response to the post of the after-match meal and in commenting on the hostile reception we received by some fans, John Glass said, Let them scoff and jeer. Celtic will yet win to their proper position by their merits. And those who scoff today will one day have to applaud. 123 years later, with 43 league titles, 35 Scottish Cups, 14 League Cups, Coronation Cup, a European Cup, it's fair to say John Glass would have been told to ask, who's laughing now? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Celtic Chief Executive Peter Lawwell to say a few words. First of all, extremely proud to be here uh, representing the club. It's such a great day. Um, a few short words. Really, firstly, thanking Brendan and the rest of the Celtic Grave Society for the magnificent work they do. Not just today, but the ongoing work yeah, preserving the memory of the Celtic Greats. And I'd like to round the applause for Brendan and the <laughs> events. I think the last time we met was a far wetter day. You know, we have a thing like now that afternoon. This afternoon. Uh, Joe, I know very well. 
And again, thanks to I'm sure some inspired odds later on. Of course, the legend Steve Chalmers. I think it's um, really fitting, and of course to yourselves, it's really fitting that there's such a fantastic turnout here today to pay honour to this man, John Glass. As, as um, Brendan says, John Glass, uh, first president, chairman, first director of the club when it became a private company, um, and the man to whom Willie Maley, the great Willie Maley, said that the very existence of Celtic was down to John Glass. What an accolade for what a great man. And in days like this, when you're here, you, you realise just what a great institution Celtic is, what a magnificent football club. No other club could, could, could do this or have such, such a society that really honours its great and its past as much as Celtic. And then you ask your, your question, why? Why is this? Why are we so unique? Why, why is it so special? <laughs> and I think part of the answer is down to people like John Glass. Our forefathers here at the club, who formed the club, as we know, for the best of reasons, to feed the poor of the east end of Glasgow, which is predominantly an Irish immigrant community. But not only that, he gave us, or they gave us, including John, a sense of identity, a sense of purpose for this community that inspired us and continues to inspire us today. They gave us aspiration, they gave us hope. But not only that, they gave us values, these great values that we maintain at Celtic today, the values of charity, <coughs> of inclusiveness, of openness, of diversity, of humility and of family. Fantastic values installed and instilled by John Glass and our forefathers. So we hope today at Celtic that we can do our forefathers proud and all we can do is maintain those principles, those values of a magnificent football club. I know myself, uh, growing up in the 60s, uh, Celtic inspired me, Stevie Chalmers, you know, the, the, virtually the best team in the world uh, was Celtic. So it inspired me, it formed me as a person, and I'm sure it did for a lot of you here today. So finally, I think that's the reason why. The reason that we are so different are because of people that join class. Their values, their inspiration to a community it's as strong today as it was then. So here's to Celtic Grave Society, here's to John Glass, and here's to Celtic Football Club. There is far, far more than just a football club. Thank you. Thanks very much, Peter. Please welcome now Dr. Joe Bradley. Maybe elaborating on a couple as well, but I think uh, you know, how, how we relate to our fellow human beings in terms of money, culture, nationality, religion, in a sense, constitutes who and what we are as individuals and as communities. What motivates us to in these terms also seems pertinent. And these questions can be maybe a tad philosophical, but ultimately a response to a physical, spiritual, and moral environment and experiences what determines our effects in human history and humankind, no matter how minuscule, no matter how great or considerable. Our capacity to live the truth, to look to give or to receive, to know about and recognise and become conscientious or to ignore, to be inward and withdrawn or to reach out, to accept 
but also to, to challenge, if opposite, timely and proportionate. These questions and more pertain to every human being, no matter how conscious or unconscious we are of this. Standing here today, I'm reminded of uh, Dr. Aidan Donaldson's uh, words in Celtic Minded Three and what he says about the roots of Celtic, and I see Aidan's here also this morning. But in his contribution, he says, Celtic Football Club is a Catholic and Christian response to the conditions of the poor. Celtic's an answer to cultural, social, political and religious oppression, domination, racism, bigotry and exclusion. These are the reasons and rationale as to why Brother Wolfred, John Glass, Pat Wells, John O'Hara, Thomas Flood, William McKillop, Hugh and Arthur Murphy and Dr John Conway all gave birth to a unique and special Irish community focus in the shape of a football club. We know, of course, as Peter has said, that Wally Maley recognised John Glass as a preeminent figure in Celtic's historical narrative. Glass is one of the, the one of the important individuals that managed to create and sustain a well-supported and successful Irish football club in Scotland <coughs> in an environment where lots of other such clubs did not survive, where some were put out of business, or some conformed so that they might be tolerated. It was people like John Glass, along with Walford and a handful of others, a wonderful story that has lived for six generations. Think of the community sustained, the charity given, the relationships founded, the happiness created. Of course there's been and there always will be negatives and downs, but such is life so to speak. But it's through the activities of such as the Celtic Grave Society, supporters groups and amongst the Celtic community that is conscious of the historical facts that surround Celtic as well as the moral, cultural and political significance of this great football club, that this institution is a unique presence in football and the guarantee that it will live on. There are many sports clubs that are distinctive or special in political, social and cultural terms. However, there are few, if any, where all of these things come together. Politics, culture, religion, ethnicity, nationality, charity, inclusiveness, they all come together around Celtic. As a, as a result of the capacity to give, people like John Glass created for subsequent generations an inheritance that's a focal point, a symbol that has a, an historical rationale and dynamic, not just to win football matches, but as a symbol of resistance to marginalisation and prejudice, a symbol of celebration, of dignity, joy, and a symbol of family and community. Today is a small recognition of what John Glass gave to this community and beyond too, of course, to anyone that wishes to participate and become part of it. I'd just like to say his legacy, as your presence here today testifies, has been a great one. Thanks, Joe. Please welcome Stephen Glass, great, great grandson, John Glass. On behalf of the Glass family, I'd just like to welcome you all. Thanks uh, to everyone for attending. Uh, the whole family is here today, all our friends and fans alike. Uh, I'd like to thank Mr Chalmers and Mr Lowell for attending. It's an honour to be in the company of such great Celtic men. Uh, I'd also like to thank Monsignor Smith for attending uh, and for his blessing. It really means someone, uh, something to have someone here for St Mary's in Calton the very origins of the club, uh, the club and somewhere it's close to John Glass's heart. Uh, I'd like to again I'd like to thank Danny for the magnificent work or his hard work and effort and sourcing the headstone 
and restoring the entire gravestone. Um, it just looks looks magnificent, and his time and efforts very much appreciated. Uh, finally, I'd like to thank John and Brendan, and all associated with the Celtic Grave Society for their effort uh, and the organisation in making this day possible. Quite simply, without them, I don't think it would have happened. Um, just like to say another couple of words. Uh, the Glass family has always been aware of its connection with Celtic, and we've always been and we've always been proud of that and we're proud and honoured to be here today. John Glass may not be regarded by many as a Celtic great, as a legend, in the same sense of the word as our esteemed colleagues here today. But from what we know, he was a great man, a strong man, a proud man and a businessman, and a respected leader of the Irish community in Glasgow. Together with the likes of Brother Walford and Dr Conway and the likes, he was a driving force in the building, uh, building the foundations of the club we know and love today, and as has been touched on earlier on, no less a man than the great Willie Maley even uh, said he was a man who Celtic owed their very existence today. A club that's still proud of its charitable roots and its sense of community, something that we saw as recently as last week in the Legends game, which was a magnificent night and again so much uh, contributed towards charity. Uh, so I'd just like to thank you all for attending today. Um, to the memory of John Glass and our beloved Celtic Football Club. Hail, hail. Stephen, if we could now ask Monsignor Smith to please conduct the blessing. <coughs> I don't think there's a parishioner had those initials after his name before John Glass. <laughs> not many have had it after him either. And to have had those initials after your name at that time when the Irish community frankly was looked upon with a certain suspicion in many parts of our society shows that he wasn't just a Celtic man. He was a Glasgow man. He was a good man and he was a man that saw looking after and caring for his community as the principle of his life. And is that not what it is to be a Christian, after all? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The grace and peace of God our Father, who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, be with you always. And dear brothers and sisters, let us listen to the words of St. Paul. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, about those who have fallen asleep, so that you may not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose, so too will God, through Jesus, bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Indeed, we tell you this on the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself, with a word of command, with the voice of the archangel, and the dead will rise in Christ. Then we who are alive will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord. Thus we shall all, always be with the Lord. Therefore, we should console one another with these thoughts. The Word of the Lord. There is a psalm, but I'm going to skip it out simply because the first two lines run, In you, Lord, I trust, let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. 
think that might be misinterpreted. We do, however, turn to God our Father and pray the prayer that Jesus himself taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. O God, by whose mercy the faithful departed find rest, bless this gravestone with which we mark the resting place of John Glass and of his family. May they have everlasting life, and may they rejoice with you and with your saints forever. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Bow your heads and pray for God's blessing. May the peace of God, which is beyond all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thanks very much. <coughs> just like to invite anyone who would like to put some flowers down, if you could do so just now. Gentlemen, in closing, the one common denominator, many of the names already mentioned today, the Celtic Foundation, are actually buried within feet of where we stand today. Dr. John Conway lies at rest just at the end here. Pat Welsh is at the very end over here. John McLaughlin in an unmarked grave in the corner down there. Dan Malloy, who in the famous kidnap incident lies just over there as well as other committee men, founding fathers. David Meekleham is right there. <laughs> William and John McKillop are just right here as well. Tom Dunbar, Pat Quillen, John O'Hara, Arthur Murphy, Joseph Shaughnessy. All founding fathers, all lying within feet of where we gather today. If anyone would ever like a tour of the cemetery, there's over 25 Celtic men in here founding fathers and ex-players, you only have to get in touch. This Tuesday, the Celtic Grave Society will be continuing their work. It's, this time it's James McLaughlin, one of the very first ever players in the very first Celtic game v Rangers in May 1888. That's going to be Tuesday at 2 o'clock in St Kentikins in Lamb Hill. We're also organising the John Thompson 80th anniversary pilgrimage, where we're walking from Celtic Park to Carden Den. It's going to take two days, 55 miles. I'm only John's favourite of the last, so if you want to have along to the bookies. But if anyone again would like any details on how to donate, please get in touch. What we're hoping to do is get a John Thompson Sports Complex 
uh, built in his hometown of Cardenden. Last but not least, we'd like to thank as well Selfie Boys Club for assisting us today with the booklets. We'd like to invite everyone along to the Celtic Social Club for a pre-match refreshment to toast John Glass. Thank you. Not sure there's much I can add to that. It's a good start to the new season for the Celtic Grave Society. It's a, a wonderful restoration project and the, the grave zone now looks absolutely fantastic. It's bigger than me. Uh, the, the plan for the Celtic Grave Society now seems to be pretty busy with uh, the, the James McLaughlin Memorial commemoration on Tuesday. The, the John Thompson pilgrimage uh, walk up to Garden Den coming next week. Uh, and they're talking about a Johnny Doyle commemoration on the, the 30th anniversary of his death. Looks like it's going to be a busy one for the Celtic Grave Society, so I think I'm going to have to donate some more money. <laughs> and if anybody would like to do that, then please get in touch with them because this is a, a fantastic thing that they do. And it's well worth it. Stand together 